Good morning, everyone. It is lovely to see you. I'm going to dive straight in and show you a little video clip. This was from earlier this week, and this happened during a very important press conference. It's more than that, though, isn't it? Isn't it character and heart and motivation as well? <laughs> couldn't resist this morning because they, they are a remarkable team, aren't they? And if you've... Uh, Serena Vagman, a remarkable coach. Just remarkable. So the re one of the reasons I share that is I'm English. And uh, it, it, some of you here are English too, and we have been living with 56 years of pain. <laughs> and uh, some of you here are from other countries, and you've been looking on, and every... European Championship and World Cup, there is this inflation of hope, right? And then it gets dashed. 56 years of pain. And now the women come along. <laughs> and it's like they've said, you boys have been trying, but let me just sort this out for you. So, you know, in life, it's true that we can find ourselves in places, can't we, where we are desperate for change. We're desperate for change, but years go by, year after year after year. And maybe there are occasional glimmers of hope, but nothing shifts. So maybe that's in the area of a family breakdown. Maybe that's something that happened historically in a family, and it has ripples down through sort of family relationships, and you're longing for hope, you're longing for change, and there are glimmers, but doesn't shift. Or maybe it's prolonged ill health in your family or someone close to you or in your own life, or financial challenge. Very often, financial challenges can just run down generations. And there's a sense of, I just can't get out. I can't get out. Maybe it, this is something of your story. Maybe it's the story of somebody that you know. In our communities, in our nations, there can be issues that just seem to run and run and run. Here's just one that troubles me right now. I, I personally find it really challenging where our culture is heading in terms of issues of sexuality and gender and identity. I, I'm personally sort of exercised. You know, our culture, it seems to me, is becoming increasingly difficult for children and young people in particular to navigate. It's an increasingly confusing world. Now, one thing we can all do in the face of these kind of things, whether these are personal things or things that affect our community or our nation, is to pray. So if you have a Bible with you today, could you turn to Daniel chapter 9? We're continuing our series, Growing in Prayer. Surveys have shown that pretty much everyone prays. Pretty much everyone prays, regardless of whether the person has active faith or not. So if you're here today and you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, I hope that you pray, at least sometimes, hopefully a lot. 
If you're here today or you're online, you say, well, I don't yet have a personal relationship with Jesus. I hope that what I share about prayer and a relationship with God is helpful to you as well. So what we're doing this summer is we're looking at a bunch of um, prayers from the Old Testament part of the Bible. And one of the reasons is that these prayers can really help us to grow in our own prayer life because they can provide frameworks for us. And by prayer, I simply mean a conversation like you would have with a friend. There are times where you listen, there are times where we speak, and that's very much at the heart of prayer. So each Sunday, we're going to look at a prayer from the Old Testament. What I want to encourage us to do is then to take that prayer, take that Bible text into our week. So maybe you use that prayer. You, you revisit this Bible text in, in, you know, if, you have, if you have a devotional time in the morning. Why, why don't you this week take this prayer as part of that and use it as a framework for your prayers? So last week, we looked at a prayer from a guy called Solomon. He, he, God asked him a big question. Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Massive question. We thought about how do we wisely approach that question. This week, we're going to look at a guy called Daniel. So I'm going to read the first couple of verses of Daniel chapter 9, then give a bit of context, and then we'll read his prayer. So the first two verses say this. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. I'm going to give you a very brief timeline. If you want a way better timeline, my friend here, Steve Berry, is going to run a series, I think, of six Bible overview evenings of the Old Testament timeline in October, November this year. So I've just launched that one towards you. Look out for that. So we've got a number of clues here. Jeremiah was a prophet in the Old Testament. He ministered to the people of Israel from about 626 to 586 BC. And one of the prophetic words that the Lord gave him to share to the people was that a desolation of Jerusalem was coming and it would last for 70 years. You find that in Jeremiah 25. In 586 BC, Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians and a bunch of the Jewish people were taken into exile. Daniel grew up in Babylon, in exile, a highly pagan culture. In fact, earlier in the book of Daniel, you'll find twice reference to Daniel's job. His job title was chief magician. If you want to get an insight of how to live as a godly person following Jesus in a pagan, non-believing culture, go have a look at Daniel. It's really helpful. The account we read today is set in the first year of King Darius. So we know that he ruled, the first year of his reign was 539-538 BC. So in other words, this is 47 years after the fall of Jerusalem. Remember, it's a 70-year period. We're 47 years in. There are 23 years to go. I think it would be quite tempting to think, there's another 23 years, I'm just going to sit back and do nothing. There's these big things that are running in my life, in our culture, I've given up. It's quite tempting to think that way, right? It can be very tempting to think, I've just given up, I've checked out. Want to read, let us read what Daniel does in the face of the situation that he finds him in with this long, ongoing issue that he's confronting. What does he do? So we're going to pick it up from verse 
3 of Daniel chapter 9. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, in all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. We and our kings, our princes and our ancestors are covered with shame. Lord, because we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away refusing to obey you. The next few verses, he carries on. (laughs) He carries on. The next few verses, I'm going to pick it up in verse 17. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions for your servant, of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear our God and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. Amen. Amen. I'm aware that as we think about things you know, in our personal lives that we may have faced for years, or we may turn our, our hearts and our heads towards things that run in our culture and our communities that have been going on for you know, maybe years and years and years, I am just going to scratch the surface in the next 15 minutes. So bear with, but I hope this gives us some framework that we can use to continue in prayer. To place that I think is really good to start. And it's the same place that we saw that Solomon started in his prayer last week. The place to start is remember who God is. When we come to prayer, remember who God is. Verse 6, Daniel keeps punctuating his prayers with reminders. In fact, verse 4, let me start in verse 4. He says, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. That's good to remember in prayer, right? Really good. In prayer, we meet the one who is all-powerful. You know, the one who speaks a word and stuff happens. Things are created. Miracles are released through a word. He's also the one who loves us unconditionally, who keeps his deal of love with us. And if you're not sure this morning how much God loves you, look at the cross. Take a look at the cross, and you'll see there a symbol of how much God loves us. Verse 7, Daniel remembers this, Lord, you are righteous. Everything the Lord does is right, 
and true. You know, these kind of reminders in prayer are really helpful. Now, let me just share a thought. You may have been around uh, church settings or Christian people, and something like this is setting, said, in prayer, we need to remind God of his promises. Have you heard something like that? Let me just share a little thought on that. Do you think when we pray something like, Lord, you have promised to be with me forever, the Lord turns around, oh my goodness, Andy, thank you for reminding me. That, that, I, I, that had just entirely slipped my mind. You know, I was just about to check out. But Andy, I'd forgotten that I'd said that. D -d 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 my take on it. I think it is so helpful to turn to Scripture in our prayers and these kind of remembrances of who God is. But I'll tell you who I think we're reminding ourselves. It's me, right? I need reminding that God has promised to never lead me. I need reminding that he is the great and awesome God. I need reminding that he's never going to break his covenant of love. He, he's not going to forget that. And so we stand on those promises and we trust God to be faithful to his word. And we speak them, but we listen to our prayers, right? We listen to our prayers. These reminders are so helpful. Verse 9, he says, The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. In other words, even though we and others have messed up, God is merciful. And what that means is that we don't get what our sin and our mess deserves. God is is able to forgive and forget. We as human beings find that really hard, right? God is able to forgive and forget. He is able to wipe the slate clean. But for that to happen, we need to bring our mess to him. And that's what Daniel does. Verse 4, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. And then in some of the verses we read, verses 4 to 16, what you'll find is that Daniel just does not hold back. He is incredibly honest with the confession that he brings. Here are, I was going to say the highlights. That's probably the wrong. Here are some of the things that he says. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked. That's not wicked. That's bad. We've been wicked and rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened. We are covered with shame. We, our unfaithfulness to you, we have not obeyed. Transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. It goes on and on and on. Second thing, honest confession. As we're faced with some of those issues in our own lives, our family lives, in our communities and our nations, there are times when we just need to hold our hands up. And it's one of the things, I was, as I was thinking about this week, Paul, in his letter to the Romans, writes that we all fall short of God's standards for human living. So every human being, in my view, has a necessity to hold our hands up and to confess. Because we all find ourselves in that place. And there may be some things that we know that we have done and that we have to take responsibility for our actions. In the letter of James, James writes that there are times where we need to confess our sins to another person. Now, I'm not talking Catholic confessional. For those of you that grew up in that stream of Christian belief, I'm not talking that kind of thing. Although, to some degree, I am. But not maybe in that formalized religious way. But often it can be really helpful with a safe friend 
or maybe in a tri-group setting or something like that, where there are times where there are things that we know that we need to confess, and James says, confess your sins to one another. And so it can be really helpful to find a safe place to do that. In my experience, often a tri-group can be a really helpful place to do it. Literally finding two other people of the same gender as yourself, and you agree to meet up every week or fortnight or month. So if that is something you think, that would be helpful to me, then simply email trigroups at riversidevineyard.com, and we will help connect you up with a couple of other people. The other option is, is you just have a look around you right now. You just think, they look all right. I'll ask them. I'll ask them whether they would be up for meeting regularly to pray. Because you could do that this morning. One thing that strikes me, and I think should strike us in how Daniel prays, is he includes himself in the sin of his nation even before he was born. And what might that mean for us? Well, let me just give you an example. The United Kingdom, where we are right now, is one of the richest nations on earth. And yet, statistically, 30% of children live in households in this nation that are defined as being in poverty. And it rises to 40% in this borough, in the London Borough of Hounslow. Two out of five children are defined as living in poverty. We are facing a cost of living crisis that I don't think any of us have seen before. And in my opinion, in my view, I think things are going to get worse as we go into the autumn. There are a whole lot of families that are going to be choosing between heating and eating. And if we live in the United Kingdom and we look at the words of Daniel, I think we'd have to say we're part of the mess. And so as part of our prayers, if, if, that, if that stirs your heart as well, I think part of our prayer has to be, yes, we remember who God is, but there has to be some honest confession. We're part of this thing. We're part of where we are as a nation right now. And so I think a really smart thing to do, remember who God is and then be honest and confess that we are part of this mess that millions of us are facing. And the third thing is that we cry out for God's favor. We cry out for God's favor. Verse 13, part of Daniel's confession to God is that they hadn't sought the favor of the Lord. And he's kind of thinking, don't, we forgot to do that. They hadn't been asking for God's favor. So that's what he does. Verses 17 to 19, now our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear our God and hear, open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. In prayer, we bring the desolate things in our lives, in our communities, and in our nation, and we bring them to the Lord. And then we ask the Lord, Lord, would you look upon us 
with favor. We need favor. Now, what does that mean? Well, I, I just dug a little bit. The original language, if you look at the King James Version or the original Hebrew, it translates it this way. Cause your face to shine upon us. That's how it translates that idea of favor. Cause your face to shine upon us. That, if you're a person that's read your Bible, that might remind you of one of the great priestly prayers in Numbers chapter 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face, favor, shine upon you and be gracious to you. Someone should write a song about that. Now, as we think about God's favor, it seems to me the second half of verse 18 is really important. Daniel prays this. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. There's something that I call slot machine faith. It plays out this way. We need God's favor. We need his blessing in some area of our lives. And so we think to ourselves, either consciously or subconsciously, you know what? Because I need this, I'm going to read my Bible more. And I'm going to pray more. And I'm actually going to fast. I've never fasted. I'm going to fast. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that I'm part of a Sunday service every week. Not, not monthly, every week. And, and home group, I'm going to be there every time. In fact, I'm even going to take biscuits. And we can think, if I do all of this bunch of things, it's like I'll put some coins in this divine, heavenly slot machine, and I'll pull the big handle down, because God will now owe me, right? God will now owe me. I'm not going to ask you to indicate, but I wonder whether you've ever done that. It is very easy to develop a sense of entitlement. That if I do this, God owes me this. If you want to see how a sense of entitlement works out, go and read Jonah chapter 4. Quick answer, it doesn't work out well. To be clear, reading the Bible more, fasting, praying, gathering together each week, being part of a, you know, a smaller gathering of, of Christians in, in what we call small groups, these are good things. But it is not where our righteousness comes from. Our righteousness, our right standing before God comes through Jesus alone. Because of God's great mercy. We can't earn God's favor, friends, can we? We can't earn it. God owes us nothing. That The next breath in your lungs is not because you're a good person. It's because God is giving. And he's generous and he's kind. That's where your next breath comes from. Not because we've earned it in some way. So the motivation to pray more, to read the Bible more, to connect with God's people more, is because we want to know Jesus more. But because the Lord is so loving and generous, as we come to him, he invites us to ask for what we need. And so we ask for his favor, we ask for his blessings, we ask for his face to shine upon us. We ask for his face to shine upon our own lives, upon the lives of our families, our friends, our nation, our nations, because of his great mercy.
So it seems to me that this prayer that we've just dipped into in Daniel chapter 9 is a great prayer. I mean, I, I imagine that you could think of 101 scenarios that are just big things. You kind of, How do I pray for those? Well, can I commend this prayer to you? And maybe you take this into your week, as I've already encouraged, and you pray through it. I, I know, because one of the things we love at Riverside is the diversity of, uh, of the people that God has brought together in this church. So there may be a nation that is closer to your heart. And you'll know some of the things that are running in the life and the culture of that nation. And again, you use this as a grid, as a framework to pray into that. So remember who God is, that he is great and awesome, that he keeps his covenant of love, that he is forgiving, that he is merciful. And then we take some time to confess and we say, you know, to some degree, you know, big or small, I'm part of this mess. We, we've all messed up. And so, Lord, on behalf of and with this nation that I love, I'm holding my hands up. I'm confessing that we, we've not done well here. And then we ask for God's favor to come. We ask for his face to shine upon us. So what I would love us to do, we're going to have an opportunity for our normal ministry time. But I, I, I really wanted us to give this a go this morning. So that this isn't like, I haven't just given you, hey, this is theoretical 101 in how to pray for big issues in your nation. I would love us to actually pray for it. Okay, so as I say, I appreciate that for some of you, uh, the United Kingdom is not the nation that's closest to your heart, but we're here right now. This is Felton, right? We're part of the United Kingdom, and I would love us to pray for something in the life of our nation together. And the way that we're going to do that in a moment, I'm going to get us into groups of threes and fours. Those of you online, you can type your prayers into the chat section online, and you can be praying together with the other people that are online this morning. But for those of us in the room, I'm going to invite us to, to pray with the two or three people around you right now. And if you're here this morning and you say, well, I don't normally pray I want to invite you just to give it a go. Just to, you know, God, if you're there, it would be really good if such and so. And, and you can start in that place, and that's fine. So I, here's the thing that I would love us to pray for. I shared a few minutes ago about some of the mess that we are facing economically in our nation. Some of the, and the way that is really going to hit some very vulnerable people in our communities. And so... I would love us to pray into that using this prayer of Daniel as a guide to us this morning. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to walk us through it. So, so friends, don't get ahead of me. Don't get ahead of me. Can I invite you to stand if you're able? We'll start there. First thing, could you find two or three other people that you would like to spend the next three minutes praying with? And if there's no one stood next to you right now, beckon someone over, invite them into your circle of prayer, be friendly, smile at them, welcome them in. Wonderful. Okay. What I want to invite you to do is in some short prayers, so that gives space for everybody to have an opportunity to pray, where we're going to start is remember who God is. So you might take some of the phrases that Daniel prayed. Lord, you are great and awesome. 
There might be some other things that come to your mind. But just start, before we start asking for stuff, before we start confessing stuff, start in that place of just praying some short prayers of remembering who God is. So one after another, pray out loud. Is that okay? Three, two, one, pray. I want to invite us now to pray out prayers of confession, honest confession. You know, we as humankind, as a nation, have messed up, is the way that Daniel would put it. We've rebelled, we've not obeyed, we've turned our back on the Lord, we've sinned. And so again, find some short prayers that would just express that on behalf of ourselves and our nation, we've messed up. Three, two, one, pray. And I'd love us now to, to pray for God's favor to be released, for his blessings to be released, for his face to shine upon our nation, not because we deserve it, but because of his great mercy. So again, pray some short prayers asking for God's favor, for his, for his blessing to be released to us. Lord God, we do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good job, friends. Good job. Were you praying in different languages here? Thank you. <laughs> so you were praying in Spanish for our nation? Thank you. Thank you. That's a beautiful thing, right? <laughs> that, we, that we bring that together. So I'm, I, we, we don't normally do that, but I, ho I hope that was just a little bit helpful of, of the way that we can use one of these prayers as a framework for taking what is a big thing. Because so often you kind of think, how do I pray for the economic mess that we're about to face? How do I? I'm, I'm hoping that one of the benefits of a prayer like this is, oh, okay, I can remember who God is. I can hold my hands up and say, we're in a mess. And I'm a part of that. I'm a part of that. But God, we need your favor. Would you let your face shine upon us? So pray for your own nation this week. Maybe there are other things that have come to mind, and this is just a helpful framework for you. Okay. Okay.